Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Man, wasn't that fun? Did you guys have fun doing that? Honestly, guys, we, we really want to make special days special. And I know that Father's Day is kind of one of those days where, you know, there's a lot of young people who do come to our church, part of our family, and they'll go and they'll be a part um, of their father's church on Father's Day. Same things for for Mother's Day. But we want you to know that if you want to bring your dad or bring your mom on one of those days, we're going to have an absolute blast and honor them. So if anything else, we just had some fun, right? How many of you guys know heaven's going to be fun? Amen. If you are not expecting heaven to be fun, you're going to be shockingly surprised when you arrive and realize that joy is serious business in heaven. Amen? (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Well, what I want to do tonight uh, during our speaking time is I actually want to give you guys a message uh, called Dad Advice. So just look at the person next to you and say, Dad Advice. So... um, I grew up, um, my dad's a pastor today, and I grew up receiving a lot of dad advice, all right? And uh, there's phrases that I used to hate to hear as a little kid that I now think back on, and I'm like, you know what? Pops wasn't wrong about that, because I see that's actually a reality for me today, and I really wish I would have listened just a little bit more when he was speaking to me. Anybody else, you realize that? It's just like, man, dad wasn't always wrong. Even though I didn't want to listen to him, even though I said, dad, get out of here. I'm not, you know, I don't want to end up like you. How many of you guys find yourself responding to situations the same way your dad did, all right? For all the guys in here, you're probably like, amen. So if you've been here for the past few weeks, you'll notice that we've been talking a lot about finances. So what I want to do is just conclude this sermon series on Father's Day with a message called Dad Advice About Money, all right? And what I'm going to give you guys tonight is 10 very practical, very simple dad proverbs on finances, all right? So if you could, just on Father's Day, just bear with me. Let's just take a walk after dinner out to the garage, right? Or dad's wood shop or whatever. I don't know what your dad did. You know, my dad didn't, um, he wasn't into carpentry or cars or anything. He just shot basketball with me. So some of my best memories with my dad is throwing the ball back and forth, playing pitch and catch, as uh, we called it, came to find out. Nobody else calls it pitch and catch. Everybody else just calls it catch. So for those of you guys who were here a year ago when I was preaching a message that I entitled Pitch and Catch, everybody just looked at me silly like, what the heck is Pitch and Catch? I'm like, what are you talking about? What's catch, man? It was called Pitch and Catch. But apparently we were the odd ducks and uh, Pitch and Catch is not a real game. Obviously it's called Catch. Okay. But in our family, we played Pitch and Catch. And as we were doing that, I remember my dad would just talk to me about very practical, very simple, very life applicable stuff. And so that's what I want to give you guys tonight, all right? We're going to kind of weave some scripture in the midst of it, but it's going to be some very practical dad advice on money, all right? So, man, I'm excited. You guys excited? I really hope it blesses you as we're finishing up here on Father's Day. So I was um, 
I was considering speaking about another topic. Um, Father's Day is a special day uh, for me personally. Um, my dad was the best man in my wedding, so I was, I'm still very close to him. And just, you know, the father heart of God and all that stuff just always been very special to me. The Brownsville revival in the 90s started on Father's Day. It's incredible. So Father's Day, I think, is a special day to the Lord. And I was really thinking about speaking on something else other than finances because I've been speaking on finances for three weeks now. But I really felt God said, no, the grace is still there. Speak one more week on finances. And so that's why I'm speaking on it tonight. So these are my dad proverbs, all right? So I'm going to hit three themes in the midst of these 10 proverbs. So I want to invite you challenge you, encourage you to take notes tonight because I really think that you're going to find these to be helpful later on in life. If they're not helpful today, maybe they'll be helpful tomorrow. And the first theme I want to talk about when considering dad advice or dad proverbs on finances is debt. So as you just write that down at the top of your paper, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Lord, we we thank you so much that you're going to continue to equip us and empower us to be good stewards, not only of our finances, but of our hearts, of our feelings, of our relationships, of our families. And you're gonna raise up not only sons and daughters, Lord, but you're gonna raise up moms and dads, people who are selfless, people who reproduce themselves, people who live honest life uh, with integrity and with character. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So dad proverb number one. You guys, you're gonna wanna write these down, all right? They're they're things you wanna remember. Dad proverb number one is this. If you don't have the cash to buy it, then you can't afford it. (laughs) Everybody say amen. (laughs) So these are all things that I've heard my dad say or I've heard my grand-grand say, all right? My grand-grand, he passed a few years ago, but man, his, his proverbs were... Man, they were classy. I'll tell you what, man. I can't even repeat some of them in church. But, man, they were always good. So this is one of the, this is dad proverb number one. If you don't have the cash to buy it, then you can't afford it. Now, I know that this seems easy enough to understand, but I did a little research, guys. And the American family, the average American family today owes $16,000 on credit cards. All right, that's, that's just average. That's the average American family. So um, the average credit card interest rate on your credit card today is about 15%. So it doesn't take, you know, a rocket scientist to figure out that's not really a good thing to continue to do, to be in debt. The Bible even teaches us about debt. There's a lot of passages on it. Proverbs 22 and 7 says the borrower is slave to the lender. Have you guys heard that before? If you've ever listened to Dave Ramsey, I know you've heard that before. And uh, this is never more uh, true than when we willingly go into debt for things that we don't really need. You guys with me? We, be- we become enslaved to debt. We become enslaved to the lender. We become enslaved to this plastic card in our wallet uh, because we've purchased something with cash we didn't have and we've purchased something that we probably didn't need. And so the very first dad proverb I have for you guys is if you don't have the cash to buy it, then you can't afford it. So everybody, who's going to remember that? All right, awesome. So that's dad proverb number one. Dad proverb number two is do what you need to do to get out of debt. (laughs) Man, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I can already tell you guys are too quiet. 
You're like, why is he talking about this? But I think this is really helpful, guys. Do what you need to do to get out of debt. I want to tell you guys a quick story. When Allie and I got engaged, um, we were collectively $24,000 in debt. Now, that's for some of you guys, you're like, ah, it's nothing because you got a lot of student loans, and I understand that. There, I, have, I have several friends uh, who have a lot more than that on student loans. But we were $24,000 in debt, and um, when we first started talking about finances, um, how many of you guys know that's a big conversation to have with somebody you're about to marry? Yeah? It's a big conversation to have. My, my, my mom is a marriage counselor, and she tells me that one of the top arguments that couples have uh, if not the top argument that couples have uh, pretty soon after they get married is about how they're stewarding, how they're spending, and how they're saving their money. Um, that, is, that is the second conversation that young couples typically have, and this is not a joke, is how much time the husband spends playing video games. I'm dead serious. My mom's a marriage counselor. She told me that. She said, the first thing you got to deal with is money. The second thing is the video games. I said, what are you talking about, Mom? And I said, you, you're not going to tell me to get rid of my Xbox 360. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's serious, man. It's important to talk to your spouse, talk to your future spouse about finances, how you save it, how you steward it, and, um, and how you're going to spend it. So, so we were $24,000 in debt, and, and we started talking about stewardship, started talking about how we were going to uh, spend our money, save our money. We started... We we had the tithing conversation pretty much, you know, when we were talking about getting, um, getting engaged, you know, we're, we should, we're going to tithe, you know, we're going to get 10% of our income. And if, if we can, you know, if God makes space, we're going to, we're going to give more. And thankfully now we are, we've made a commitment now, uh, Allison and I just to declare courageously to you that we're going to give away 20% of our income. And every year that we grow older, we want to go 21%, 22%, 23%. And my goal is to live off of 10% of my income. I would love to do that. Will you guys just agree with me in prayer that I could do that? I would love to do that, man. Rick Warren does that. Pastor in California, Saddleback Church. I think it's incredible. That just means God needs to let me write some books, huh, sweetheart? If you'll buy it, just say amen. All right. Appreciate that. Thank you. So what, what, what we did was um, we, we made a plan. We said we're going we're gonna to sock back this much um, against our debt every month. Thankfully, Carl and Lila allowed us to live for the first year of our marriage for free in, a, in an apartment that they have in their basement. And uh, that was a huge, huge help. But within one year, by the time we celebrated our first year anniversary, we were completely 100% debt free. And that, that's $24,000 in debt. That's a, that's a, is a huge accomplishment for us. And I got to tell you guys that it took sacrifice to make it happen. It took a lot of sacrifice. And here's, here's the primary way that we got out of debt. We stopped buying things that weren't necessary. <laughs> Everybody say, ooh, <laughs> so revelatory, right? <laughs> but we stopped buying things that weren't necessities. And then, two, we stopped putting things on our credit card. You guys, I'm giving some keys in the midst of this, okay? I know it's going to be a reminder for some of you guys. Some of you guys are going to learn it for the first time, but we need to hear it. So to get out of debt, you have to change your lifestyle, all right? Dad proverb number two, do what you need to do get, to get out of debt. And I'm going to tell you guys, if you're going to get out of debt, you've got to change your lifestyle, there's a, I, I talk to a lot of people about money, especially during this series. There's a lot of people who tell me, man, you know, I'd really like to get out of debt, but they're unwilling to change their lifestyle. You're not going to get out of debt unless you change your lifestyle. It doesn't work. 
to be a blessing to others, how many of you guys know that you gotta have something to give? Hello, right? If you're gonna be a blessing to others, you gotta have something to give to other people. And if we are enslaved to debt, if we become enslaved to debt, it's gonna be hard to be generous because we won't have anything to give away. So that's dad proverb number two. Here's dad proverb number three. Remember, this is still in the theme of debt, but it is this, pray before purchasing. Go ahead, just write it down. Pray before purchasing, all right? When considering a large purchase, pray about it and ask God for wisdom. I know that seems overly simple, but just in my research, um, one man said that 80, up to 80%, on average, up to 80% of our purchases are made on impulse. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And we get so excited about stuff that we want to buy it right there on the spot. We don't talk to our spouses. We don't check the bank balance. We just buy it. You guys know what I'm talking about. You see, you, you see some, something, uh, you know, in the, in the store, Best Buy, that's the worst, you know, because they're like, this TV is normally $5,000, but today you're going to get it for 1000 And you're like, oh, I'm doing this right now. Can you believe that I'm about to save $4,000? No, you're not. You're about to spend $1,000, okay? Let's get that right, okay? <laughs> I just saved us four grand. No, you put another grand on the credit card, right? But you guys know what I'm talking about. So the strategy is pray before purchasing. If we'll pray, and here's another key, cool off overnight, we won't make as many bad financial decisions. You know that old saying, sleep on it? Well, when you get really excited about something, but it's an extreme big purchase, cool off overnight. Pray. If you don't hear anything from the Lord that night, wake up the next morning, have your coffee or tea or whatever you do, and pray about it again and see what God has to say. Because chances are, if you'll just wait 24 hours, the emotional aspects will, will fade back and we'll really be able to hear what God has to say about that big purchase that's going to change the financial state of our life. So how many of you guys know that's important? Pray before purchasing. So here's dad proverb Number four. Now, this is, this is a big one, so write it down. If you have to buy it now, it's probably not God. Just let it sink in. Let me say it again. If you have, everybody just say half. You know, it's like a, an F on there. It's like half. If you have to buy it now, it's probably not God. Now, I know that all of us have been pressured by salesmen and marketing. People say things like, you have to buy this now. It will only be on sale today. It will not be here tomorrow. If you don't buy it now, it won't be here. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, I mean, the other day, Alice and I were walking, we were walking through the supermarket. It was just, we were out buying groceries. You know, we have a grocery budget. We try to stick within that as best we can. And there was some ladies there dressed nice in suits and things, and they were selling bamboo pillows. Now, y'all seen them people? God bless them. I, I really couldn't, I'd never thought to myself I ever even wanted a bamboo pillow. But after listening to those gals talk for five minutes, I was like, you know, 150 ain't bad for two pillows. 
It's like, shoot, we can do this, sweetheart. We got money in the budget, right? It's a, I got long hair now. It gets kind of hot when I sleep. This seems like comfortable. You know, my neck kind of hurts sometimes. Man, this is going to solve all kinds of problems. They start telling you how sleep is just linked to your whole life, and then all of a sudden I'm starting to justify 150 bucks, no big deal. You just buy two bamboo pillows. I mean, they, they had, I was close. I was close. They had a square ready right there. I was thinking, you know, where's my card? And then it hit me, you know, you know what? i tell you what. Let me just take a, a lap around the grocery store. Let me just finish getting my groceries. And while I do, I'm going to think about it. And if I want to buy it, I'll come back. You know what happened? I, I, five minutes down the other aisle, I said, what in the world am I thinking? I don't need a stinking bamboo pillow. <laughs> I got a pill. My pillow is just fine. You know? That's the truth. But you get caught up in the moment. And the thing is, if you have to buy it right now, it's probably not God. You know, a lot of times we'll get into this situation with buying homes. I know that for us as, as, as pastors, as church leaders, our, our staff here, we, we dealt with that some when we were looking for a building. Because I don't know if you guys know, but Nashville is a pretty hot place when it comes to real estate right now. And a lot of times when, when, when we, uh, a, a building would be found, a potential space for us to move into, they said, man, you got to put the money down 48 hours. you got to put the money down 24 hours. you got to tell us right now over the phone. You've never even seen the place, but you got to tell us right now. If, if, if you have to violate your peace to make a purchase, it's probably not God. If you have to bulldoze your heart, so that you can buy something that you need, that ain't God. You guys with me? You don't have to bulldoze your heart to get something you need. God is a good dad, and he can provide to you what you need without you violating your peace. So just know that even when making large purchases, even whenever there's things that you need, cars, houses, clothes, whatever it is, things that are necessities in your life, you know, God's not going to push you to a place that says just bulldoze your heart and violate your peace because that's my will for you. It's not God's will that we do that to ourselves in the process of getting things that we need. God is going to take care of us. Amen? And so let's read Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The first part of that verse says this. Oh, everybody say it with me. Oh, no one, anything, except to love each other. All right, let's put it all together. Oh, no one, anything, except to love each other. That's pretty good. God does not want us to be slaves. Can I get an Amen. He does not want us to owe a bunch of money to people. Rather, he wants us to just love people. But how many of you guys know money and debt and owing people money drives wedges between relationships? God says, I don't want you to owe anything. I just want you to love. Hello? Amen? If we'll get serious about getting out of debt, God will show up and he will help us. I really do believe that with all my heart. When we made the commitment to getting out of debt, we didn't just make that between us. 
as, as two individuals preparing for marriage, we made that before the Lord in a place of prayer. And we said, God, we are serious. Your word says that the borrower is slave to the lender, and we don't want to be slaves, God. We've been bought with a price. We've been set free by your blood, and we want to get free financially. We believe that salvation includes your finances. And, God, we ask you for wisdom and for counsel and for supernatural help in clearing these debts. And you know what happened? We'd make phone calls to people that we were in debt to, and we'd say, listen, we're, we just got married. We're in a process of getting out of debt, and we know we owe you this much. Uh, would you be willing to take this much, you know, and pray before we get on the phone with those guys? What would happen? They'd say, sure, no problem. How about this? You guys ever tried that before? It works. It works. Just say, hey, can you take this today? This is what we have. And a lot of times people would say, sure, no problem. Absolutely. You're, you're debt-free now from us. It's, it's practical tips, but guys, I think, that, I think that we all need it. Like I said, remember, this is just some dad advice. We're just having a conversation, you know, shooting hoops, playing pitch and catch, Philip. Pitch and catch, people. All right? So I ain't going to talk about debt anymore, okay? I'm going to move into the second theme, all right? The second theme of dad advice, write it down, is integrity. Oh, I heard it that, ooh. You know, debt's one thing, but integrity's another. So the second theme I'm going to talk to you guys about is integrity, all right? So here's dad proverb number five. If you had to cheat to get it, it ain't a blessing. So notice, if you had to cheat to get it, it ain't, everybody say ain't, ain't a blessing. All right, that's some Kentucky slang for y'all. If you had to cheat to get it, it ain't a blessing. So let me, let me just say this as practically as I know how to say it uh, in a way I think Jesus would be honored. Don't cheat on your taxes. <laughs> Amen? So turn in what you're supposed to turn in. Don't cheat on your taxes. That's, it's not integrity to cheat on your taxes. It's not good character to cheat on your taxes. It's not righteous to cheat on your taxes. It's not Christian to cheat on your taxes. Are we all on the same page with this? Okay. Don't buy clothes with a plan in place to wear them and then return them. Somebody take a lap. It's not good character to go shopping with a plan to return the garment that you're going to purchase so that you can wear it, look good in it, take some Instagrams in it, spill a drink on it, and then take it back the next day like you didn't wear it at all with the tag still tucked in. That's not good character. Can, can we just have a real practical moment right here? It's not Christian to go buy clothes with a plan to wear them and then return them. Because you'll notice that every return policy says unused. That's why they want the tag on it. That's why they don't want you to tuck it in the back. Not in t- I totally didn't wear that. Man, I'm meddling in y'all's business now, you know. Pray about it and see what the Lord says. If you're like, I don't believe that, then pray about it. I, really, I prayed about it. I really feel like God wanted to say that to you guys. Don't break something on purpose right before the warranty runs out. <laughs> man come i'm serious people do it you know the laptop is about to run out Oop! fell off the coffee table 
Well, I got three more days left. I'm going to go get me a brand new MacBook. That's real talk. People do that, and I know it because I've heard people tell me stories about it. They do it things they purchase. They know. They know the contract. They know the warranty. They'll use it up to the very last month, and it could just be routine wear and tear, and they'll take it back, and they'll get a brand new thing. You, you can't do that on purpose, okay? That's not good integrity, all right? If something genuinely messes up, then take it back and use your warranty, but don't knowingly, purposefully destroy something with the intention of using your warranty to get something for free. Are we on the same page about this stuff? Okay, great, awesome. Don't try to hatch a plan that keeps you from paying money that you owe. Pay people what you owe them. <laughs> are, we, are we in the same room? Don't, it's integrity. Don't try to scheme up some plan. Well, if I tell them this, and if I do that, and then I do this, and then I just, I work all this stuff in my favor, I won't have to pay them any money. Pay, look at your neighbor, say, pay people what you owe them. Here's Psalm 37, verse 21. It says, the wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. Let me read that again. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. Do the right thing. Amen. Amen. Dad, proverb number six. No one wins a fight over money. Just write that down. No one wins a fight over money. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7 says, To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Man, that's, that's pretty profound. Let me read it once more. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Remember what I said, no one wins a fight over money. So even if you're in the right, it can still be a defeat. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Let me say it to you like this. It is better to be cheated by men and blessed by God. Integrity. Stay above reproach. If someone has a grievance against you regarding money, then give to them. You know, there has been several times in ministry, I gotta be honest with you guys, there's been several times in ministry when people have told me that I owe them money or the church owes them money or, you know, that they demand money or something of the sort. And, and honestly, I've been in the right. I didn't owe them anything. The church didn't owe them anything. But you know what? We gave to them anyway because I'd rather be cheated by man and be blessed by God. Because it's about integrity. It's not about fighting with them. It's not about wrestling with them. It's not about taking them to court and paying lawyers. You know, just let them go. Stay above reproach. Do the right thing. Give them the money. Be generous and be give. And, and give. I'm not saying be a doormat and let people take advantage of you every time they, they, they want to. But I'm saying when you get into a situation, it's better to be defrauded by man and be blessed by God. Yeah. Amen? Amen. We, we on the same page? Here's dad proverb number seven. You guys got to get these. These are, these are good, practical dad proverbs. You guys enjoying it so far? You guys getting anything so far? All right, well, write this one down. This is, this is the next one. This is important. It's very important. Y'all ready? All right. Never, ever manipulate, ever. Let me say it again. Never, ever manipulate, dot, 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 ever. 
We should never manipulate other people, especially regarding money. Walking in integrity means no hidden agendas and no hidden motives. Manipulation looks like dropping subtle hints around people who are in a position to bless you. Manipulation looks like dropping subtle hints around people who are in a position to bless you. You guys with me? Let me say, say this, guys. People that have a grace on their lives to give usually also have a grace to smell manipulation from a mile away. They know what you're trying to do. When, when, there's, when, they, when someone's graced with generosity, they're usually graced with the discerning of spirits to recognize when manipulation is going on around them. And they're like, no, 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 no. God's not going to reward manipulation through me. You're going to have to go do that somewhere else, right? That's just not the way it works. And so God rewards faith, not manipulation. Faith is the currency of heaven, not manipulation. What manipulation is, is it relies on our ability to speak and persuade rather than God's ability to speak and persuade. God can bring you provision without you manipulating people. I really do think that that's a cooperation of like the orphan spirit and the poverty spirit, you know, doing everything in their power to make sure they get a slice of the pie, right? Well, if somebody else has something, I've got to figure out how to manipulate them so I can get it from them. Because if they got it, that means I ain't going to get any. Guys, let me say it like this. Money is less like cake and more like a candle. All right? So just because somebody else has some doesn't mean that you cannot, all right? It's not like cake. It's less like cake, more like a candle. So a lot of times when we see somebody with cake, we start trying to figure out how can I manipulate? How can I scheme up a plan? How can I do something to compete with them? How can I get my own piece of cake? And and considering the fact that they have a huge piece of cake, there's not going to be very much cake left for me. But that's not how money is, guys. Money's not like a cake. Money is more like a candle. Meaning that the candle, that can light another candle and can light another candle and can light another candle. And we don't get jealous or compete or manipulate with other people because somebody else having a candle makes our world brighter. So in the kingdom of God, as sons of God, we never have to look at money like cake. Well, man, I got to steal somebody else's piece. I got to make sure that I get some of mine. I got to make sure that I tell them I got to take from them what they have. You guys with me? Over here. But that's not how money is. Money's like a candle. When we share it, it multiplies. You with me? When we share it, we make the world a brighter place. When we're generous, we start giving people who are living in darkness light. That's what money does. If Jesus can turn water into wine, he can turn money into souls. I fully believe with all of my heart, God is looking He's looking for people that he can entrust the resources of this world with, right? But if God's going to entrust the resources of this world to you, then you're going to have to have your heart anchored in another world called the kingdom of God. Because he needs to know that the kingdom is going to shape you more than the culture is. Because it's not about 
loving your culture. It's not about enjoying your culture. It's not about partaking in your culture. It's about what shapes you. Does culture shape you or does the kingdom shape you? And what God wants to do is he wants to entrust the resources, the wealth of this world with, uh, with a group of people who are being predominantly, primarily shaped in a pr- place of prayer as a result of the kingdom of heaven invading their lives. And those are the people who will see money properly because they'll recognize that it's not cake. It's not something that's being stolen or or ripped out of their hands because I'm impoverished and I'm an orphan. But rather it's like a candle and everything that is blessed and gives life comes down from the Father of lights. And they know that because I'm a son, I can be a part of that as well. You guys with me on this? All right. So I really want you to take that understanding to heart because uh, what you believe about money is going to determine how much of it you have. Hello? I remember one time, um, a very rich, very, very wealthy, wealthy guy. I I was having a conversation with him. I used to be a part of a group, a group of young guys. We We were all entrepreneurs, business guys. When I first got started here in Nashville as a pastor, the way I earned an income was I actually, um, I was in business. I was in doing entrepreneur stuff, and I also worked in marketing and social media. A lot of people don't know that about me. Uh, But when you start a church, there's not a whole lot of money to get paid. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's like, oh, whatever. The first, I, I I, I think I turned my tax return in the first the second year we, we were planting here for $4,000 annually. What? So if, you, if, you, if you're in it for the money, ministry is not the direction you want to go. All right? You're in it for Jesus and for people. Amen? Because like Mama Heidi taught me, she said, we could just get paid in love. That's so much better. So much better. So I was sitting down in this room with these entrepreneurs, and they're all young, very wealthy people, um, all of them much more uh, wealthy than I was, and, and uh, we were talking about, talking about money. And these, these guys are all Christians, all believers. And I know sometimes conversations about money can get weird, but, you know, I think you just, you just need to enter into be, be courageous about entering into them. And this guy, he was sharing his testimony, sharing his story, and, and so we began to talk, and I, and I just I couldn't even fathom what this guy was talking about. And he said, well, what is your belief about money? He looked at me and said, what's your belief about money? And the first thing that came to the surface of my heart was it's, it's uh, scarce. That's what I said. He said, what's your belief about money? I said, well, it's scarce. And he said, then it always will be for you. He said, you got to start with that. Start with that right there because God wants to shift that right there. I'm going to let you guys wrestle with that and move on. So here's, here's the third theme I'm going to go into tonight with dad proverb number eight, all right? And that theme is giving. Everybody say giving. giving. You guys getting helped by the dad proverbs yet? Okay. All right, I'm hoping to equip you tonight. It's very practical, all right? But I got to be honest with you. Even though my dad was in business and you know, he sold insurance for 25 years, it, a lot of this stuff went in one ear and out the other. How about you guys growing up, your, your, your parents, people who are older than you, helping you? And it's good we're reminded of this as we grow up. So here's dad proverb number eight. Write this down. Sow where you want to go. So where you want to go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, or excuse me, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
All right, so most people quote this backwards, and they say that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. You guys hear that often when people talk about money? They say, um, well, money's always going to follow your heart. Where your heart is, your treasure will be also, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that our heart will follow our money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, meaning this, where we put our money is going to determine where our hearts go. We are to put our money where we want to go, where we want our heart to go. That's where we invest our money. We take our treasure and we put it in the direction that we want our heart to go. Everybody say it with me. So, where you want to go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are the words of Jesus. So we invest our money in the direction that we want our heart to go. If you want your heart to follow after God's heart, put your treasure towards what he loves. Here's a few ideas for you. People. Sow into people. Here's idea B. The church. Sow into the church. How many of you guys know God loves the church? Can I get another good amen? God loves the church. God loves people. God loves his bride. God loves the church. How many of you guys know God loves missions? How many of you guys know God loves evangelism? Come on. So if you want your heart to go in that direction, then put your treasure there because the Bible teaches us that our heart is going to follow where we, where we put our treasure. So where you want to go. When, think about it like this. When you invest in a stock, you start keeping up with it, don't you? Anybody in here ever invested in a stock? I invested in an Apple stock a year ago or so, and, you know, every now and then I'll log on and look, oh, what's Apple doing? You know, I got it saved on my iPhone. Well, I never cared at all about the stock market until I started investing money into it. I started doing research, invested in some ETF funds, you know, for retirement, things like that. Is this just Greek to you guys at this point? Study it, man. Get into it. it it's, it's helpful. And you know what I do now? I got it all saved on my iPhone because I keep up with where my money is. Are you guys getting this? So we sow where we want to go. Wherever we put our money, our heart's going to follow. And uh, that's why I have to say, if you have a problem with somebody, sow some money into them. (laughs) Okay, you guys with me? If If you really, man, that person just bothers. You can't place it. They didn't do anything to you intentionally. That person just bugs you. It's going to be really hard to cheer against them after you've put your money into them. I'm going to try this out of the room. So if, if someone just, if a ministry, if you're like, man, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know why. I just don't like those people. But they're just, they're going after God, man. They're winning the loss. They're doing what they're called to do. Man, sow some money into them because it's going to be so hard to root against them once you have money invested in them. You want them to do good. You're going to follow them. You're going to say, man, come on, Lord. Do something great. I've got, I've got my money where my mouth is, and I declare I'm not competitive. I'm not rooting against them. I'm not cheering against them, but I'm for them because they're in the church. They're in the bride of Christ. They're in the body of Christ. So I'm going to sow some money into those guys. I'm going to invest into them because I want to cheer them on and not root against them. So don't nobody hand me no money after this. You guys know what I'm talking about, though. Give it anonymously. Don't let, 
Don't let somebody you know, see you do it. You know, the Bible teaches don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's why when the tithe bucket comes around, you get your wallet out, you give it to your neighbor, and you let them give to the accordance that they think you need to be blessed. I'm just messing with y'all. Y'all need to lighten up, man. It's Father's Day. Game seven ain't on yet. Be on in a little bit. You guys with me on that? Seriously, I want to challenge you to do that. If there's a ministry that you have something against, maybe it's the church you left, okay? Let's just get real for a minute. Maybe a church you left because you were hurt. People, people hurt you. People did something that wasn't right, all right? Man, you're having trouble forgiving them and releasing them, but you know that's God's heart for you, and you know that's what he's asking you to do. Sow some money into them. All right. Try it. <laughs> it's just dad proverbs. It's hard to root against somebody that you've invested in financially. All right, can I get one last amen on that? All right, here's dad proverb number nine. We're almost done, guys. Here's dad proverb number nine. Immediate obedience. All right, it's called the I.O. principle. Immediate obedience. If you're gonna be a generous person, you've got to cultivate a heart of obedience. And when, when, when God speaks to us, and tells us to give, what that does, that actually helps us learn dependency upon God. When, when, God, when God says, I want you to give that, that may, may not make sense to your natural mind, but when you step out and you obey immediately, what it does, you're not actually just sowing into a person, you're actually sowing into your dependency upon God. I'm telling you, that's better than some of you are saying amen. Listen to me one more time. When you sow... Money, as a result of being obedient to the Holy Spirit, you're actually sowing into your dependency upon God. Because what you're saying is, I depend upon God more than I do on this money. Because I've heard God speak to me, and he's told me to sow this money. And even though it don't make any sense, I can't, I can't figure out why. I don't even think I have it. It, is, it just doesn't even seem, seem probable. But I'm going to sow it into not just this person, but I'm going to sow it into this, this spirit of dependency upon my God. I'm sowing into my dependency. I'm sowing into my reckless abandon for Jesus Christ. I'm saying mammon don't have no hold on me. Money, I'm not a slave to money. I break the chains off when I sow. See, Satan don't want you to be generous. Hell hates your generosity because he knows that his kingdom is being plundered by your offerings. I can't get stirred up right yet. It's, it's already over now. We got to get ready for game seven. Hallelujah. Bless Steph Curry, Lord. And LeBron, too. All right, KD. Bless LeBron, too. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's right. So, so I, I used to always pray before games, and my, my grandma would say, you know, God, God's not for either team. I said, that ain't true. <laughs> Financial miracles happen when we are obedient with our finances. All right, just think about it. If you need a financial miracle in your life, be obedient with your finances. Right? What we're obedient with sets us up to be blessed with. When we're obedient with our money, it sets us up for financial blessing. So don't wait to see how much the check is before you give it away. Don't wait to see how much the offering is before you give it away. I'll tell you guys a quick story. I'm almost finished. What time is it? 6.04. It's time to go. Let me tell you guys a quick story. So there was one time I was preaching in California, 
And uh, I was a missionary at the time. And, you know, I depended upon God to, 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 for all my finances, right? I didn't have a nine-to-five job. I wasn't employed by a church. It was completely living by faith, as they call it. And uh, I went to California on my own money. I paid for my own ticket, and I went out there because I wanted to connect with another pastor who was going to be helping me in starting this base here in Nashville. And at that time, when I was in California, we were, we were chatting, and he said, hey, man, why don't you share a testimony at our Saturday night service? So I did, and at the end of it, they said, man, we want to take up an offering for you, Lyle. And, I mean, this was quite a few people, and I saw them coming up, and they were putting a lot of money in the bucket. I mean, I could tell, man, this is going to be a significant offering. It's a big offering here. And uh, while they were taking up the offering, the pastor came over to me, and he said, hey, listen. And it was me and my friend. We were there, and she, he said, hey, listen. He said, I just, you know, my daughter, she, she just turned 20, and she's called to missions, and I really think she's supposed to run with you guys. She's supposed to run with your organization. Would you ever consider allowing her to go on a mission trip with your team? And when he said that to me, God spoke to me. He said, you give her every cent that's in that bucket. All the money that you've just received, you give it to. Don't look at it. Don't have them count it. Don't, don't you go back in there and see if it's, oh, well, she don't need that much, Lord. You give her all of it. And so they finished, they finished putting it together. They came up to me. They had, a, they had the bucket, and they said, here you go. They pushed it to me, and I walked right over, and I said to her, I said, hey, the Lord told me to give you all this money. Here you go. You're going on our next trip with us to India. And she just hit the ground and started crying. She said, the Lord spoke to me and told me you were going to give me the whole offering. <laughs> she said, I didn't know if it was God, but I know I hear from the Lord now. I said, you, you hear from God. That's the Lord. So don't, you know, don't wait to figure out if God speaks you to give something. You know, when we wait to give, we give Satan time to come up with a list of reasons why we shouldn't give. If God has spoken, do it now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't give the enemy any time to rationalize another course of action. Over time, that's what happens. You know, God will start to chip. God will give a word, and then the enemy will start to chip away at what you've heard. Right? So you never doubt what in the darkness what God spoke to you about in the light. All right, dad advice number 10. Here's the last one, and we're going to say it's the best one. Okay, it's the last one. Don't eat all of your seed and don't give away all of your bread, all right? When you receive an unexpected blessing, don't eat it all up, all right? Sow some of it. The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. So I know one way of thinking is, well, I'm going to sow, I'm going to tithe on the 10% that I receive as a result of the money I get in, you know, every two weeks in my paycheck. But when somebody hands you 100 bucks or somebody hands you, you know, a check or, or you do something extra and, and you, you, did, you put in some extra hours, you tithe on that money too. Amen? Amen? So what I'm saying is don't eat up your seed. Don't take the seed that the Lord gives to you, right? Because you're tithing, you're giving over here. Well, don't take that seed and then just eat it all up and spend it and say, oh, you know, I'm tithing on that money. It's no problem. Well, if you want to set yourself up to reap, more, so more. All right. Don't eat your seed. Everybody say, don't eat your seed. Don't eat your seed. When you receive a revelation on giving, here's what happens. You want to give. But God is all about repentance, not restitution. Meaning if God has spoken to you about giving in this series, you don't have to go back and calculate all the money that you made last year and come back in here and tithe on it. Okay? God's not about restitution. He's about repentance. All right, what you need to do, just repent and turn and start giving now.
Make sense? So there's a difference. This is, this is the part of don't give away all your bread. There's a difference. How many know there's a difference in faith and stupidity? Nobody, okay. So two people, Jill, Jill was on my team there. She co-signed. There's a difference between faith and stupidity. Aside from a word from God, you don't put people in danger when you give. Take care of yourself and your family. You guys with me? Notice, aside from a word from God. Now, we already have a lot of words from God in the Bible, okay? So we have those words, and those ain't going anywhere, right? God teaches us, give of our first fruits, be generous, and give above that. But aside from a word from God, don't put people in danger when you give. That means don't give away all the, all the children's bread. If you know you need to go shopping tomorrow and your kids are hungry and they need to eat, don't take all the money out of your bank account and give it away just because you got excited about a message, all right? You, you hear from God about stuff like that, and he speaks to us when it's time to make sacrifices of that, of that nature, not just us being the, under the influence of the spirit of stupid. All right? So faith is walking out generosity with God, being immediately obedient to his voice in relationship. Becoming generous is becoming like God, not becoming foolish. Amen? So I want to pray for you guys. Just stand up, please. I'm going to bless you guys tonight. Sorry for holding you over, but we had a lot of fun with our dads, didn't we? Super fun. And um, this is, to date, the most practical message I've ever shared um, at Legacy. But did you get, were you guys blessed by it at all? Did it help you? Okay. Good. Good, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, because I want you to be equipped, and I want you to be empowered. And, um, man... 51 Sundays out of the year, we're going to preach Jesus and Jesus crucified. And we preached that tonight, but we threw in a little extra practical financial tidbits of dad advice. So um, I, I just want you guys to be equipped. So, Lord, we just pray over every person here. Lord, I pray that you would just bless your children with wisdom and that you would lead us and guide us with insight and that we would be people of radical faith. And that we would also not be, not be found with zeal, but without wisdom. Lord, would you give us both zeal and wisdom when it comes to our finances? That's what we pray, God. We're not looking for a seasonal response. We're looking for a shift in lifestyle. We're not looking for, you know, just to get excited about giving for a season, God. We're, we're, we're excited about becoming generous people because we serve a generous God. And Lord, we just declare that as we become more like you, we become more generous. So Lord, we pray that that truth, that that revelation would just bring, a, just maturate in our heart, God. And that we'd be the most loving, wonderful, giving family as a church. Thank you, Lord. The last thing I want to pray, and I want to just want to invite, go ahead, come on up, Allison, um, is, guys, if you, if this Father's Day for you has been rough, right? Maybe you don't, maybe you're estranged from your father. Maybe your father, you know, has passed. And I just want to declare that you have a father in God, your heavenly father, and he's a good dad. He's a great papa, and he knows how to take care of his kids. And so I just pray that this week you would feel again what it means to be adopted by him. Amen. Amen. If you receive that, just say, I receive that. My wife's going to close us out, but I love you guys. God bless you. Let's give Lyle a round of applause. That was amazing. Thanks.
So as you guys are headed out this evening, just keep an eye on your bulletin, on our social media pages. We do have team night this week. That's going to be here at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. If you want to get plugged in here with a team serving, if you're like, I love this family. I want to make this home. Please come to our team night. We want to connect with you. We want to know your face and what you want to do and contribute to the family. Um, kids are welcome. They kind of run around and we make it work. Um, but also we have Go Conference coming up. Make sure you register for that. Our website is like going to be live this week. It's live now. So it's just Go Conference 2016. GoConferenceNashville.com. So check it out. Get your tickets now sooner than later. We have Heidi, Banning, Sean Foyt probably for sure. Christine DeMarco. We have some good friends coming in and it's going to be a really, huh? Andy Bird. So yeah, it's going to be fun. We have like YWAM. We got Bethel, Jesus Culture. We're bringing all together. Iris. It's going to be fun. So you're not going to miss it. Please register for that. And then finally, we do have a family fun day coming up on July 3rd here. Instead of our regular service, we're going to have food, fun, a little bit of worship, but mostly food and fun. So bring a friend. That's going to be July 3rd. Ministry team, come on up. If you want some extra prayer this evening, somebody to believe with you for breakthrough, we have a ministry team here who is so excited to pray for you. If Father's Day is the day that doesn't actually bring you a lot of joy and you need somebody to pray over you and say, hey, we, we're here, we see you, come on up. They want to pray with you this evening. But other than that, you're dismissed. We love you. We'll see you here on Wednesday night for team night or we'll see you here on Sunday for service. We love you guys. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for playing along with us this evening. You are dismissed. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And God bless.